Sports Center every 20 minutes, only on ESPN Central Texas. Let's get the latest on college football with Shahan Jayaraja from CBSSports.com on ESPN Central Texas. All right, 432. Shahan, good afternoon. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks as always for having me. Let's uh, let's dive right into this thing. The other night when I got home for the Baylor game, I was watching Oklahoma at West Virginia, and OU wins the football game. Yet every time there was a pause or a break in the action, you heard the sixty or seventy thousand or whatever it was chanting the backup quarterback's name. What's your thoughts on on that situation in Norman, where? They're winning football games and maybe not getting the style points that the fans want, but they're getting the results the coach wants, and yet the fans are, are, are wanting that backup. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll go back to the 2019 season when current NFL starting quarterback Jalen Hurts was the starter, and you had a lot of fans clamoring for Spencer Rattler, who was the number one quarterback recruit uh, coming out of high school as well. So the reality is, especially when you've got a quarterback recruit like that, and we're seeing a similar thing happen right now at Ohio State with C.J. Stroud and some of the five stars that they got back there, when you have talented quarterbacks on the bench, they are the most popular player on the team. We even saw this, obviously, last year uh, with Jacob Zeno. Uh, at Baylor behind Charlie Boer. Everybody who's a backup is the most popular player on the team because they're an unknown. And the reality is, if Caleb Williams, the number one quarterback recruit in the class of 2021, was ready to come in and provide better quarterback play than what Spencer Rattler has given, he'd be the starting quarterback right now. Lincoln Riley does not make his money for not having good quarterback play, right? And so I understand why people are frustrated with the play. The offense has not been very good at Oklahoma. It's actually three straight Big 12 conference games that Oklahoma has scored less than 28 points, which is the first three games in Big 12 play with Lincoln Riley as head coach that they've scored fewer than 28 points. So things are heading in the wrong direction in a lot of ways, but the reality is the issues that they have are a lot bigger than who's playing quarterback for them. What's wrong with Clemson right now? Is it more than the offensive line for the Tigers? I think it's just a little bit of everything. I mean, I know that that's the easy answer, but like, if I could point to, oh, it's just bad quarterback play. Oh, it's just bad running back play. Oh, it's just bad receiver play. I think that receiver has been a real issue for them. They haven't gotten a lot of separation. I think that, uh, and, you know, that's one thing that they've been known for is having kind of a dude at receiver, and, and they don't really have that right now. So I think it's really every single phase of the offense is going through their own individual issues, and it all kind of comes together into one very uncohesive product. And, and yes, I think that definitely the offensive line, if you have to take one of them, especially that interior line, has been a real issue for them. They shouldn't have been able to be pushed around against a team like Georgia Tech. Uh, they shouldn't have been able to be pushed around by a team like NC State, although NC State has a good defense, but not not that level. I mean, it shouldn't be at that level. And even against Georgia, perhaps the best defense in the country, to only score three points, I mean, that's, that's just not good enough with the way that they've recruited over the past couple of years. So I think that there's really issues at every level of the offense, and, and that's scary, right? Because that means that there isn't a quick fix. They're not just waiting for their next Trevor Lawrence. They're not just waiting for their next Travis Etienne. They're not just waiting for one or two offensive line recruits to come in. I think that they've got some systemic stuff that they got to figure out, and maybe in some ways they got to figure out, you know, big picture and schematically, how can we play with the talent that we have, and how can we make the game easier for quarterback DJ Uyunglele. So it's going to be interesting how they kind of figure some of those things out. But right now, I think everything has to be on the table. You mentioned uh, Zeno a moment ago. Were you a, a bit surprised that uh, today he uh, enters the uh, the transfer portal? Yeah, you know, it was really interesting. I thought that 
you know, like with, with the way that quarterbacks are these days and also just being a blue chip guy, a guy who is highly sought after. I think that once he lost the starting quarterback job to Gary Bohannon, a guy who's only one year older than him um, and, and they overlap a lot in eligibility, you, you kind of think that might happen. I think that it happened a lot quicker than I might have expected. I didn't know that he would leave in the middle of the season. But then you hear the news from uh, from Sinkin 365 that not only did Jacob Zeno not win the starting job, but he actually lost the backup job to Blake Shapin. I mean, you know, at that point, there's not really an opportunity for him to get onto the field, right? And that's a tough situation. I think that everyone at Baylor was really excited about what Jacob Zeno could bring to the table. I think that a lot of people hoped that he could be the starting quarterback, but this is the game, right? I mean, when you pick a starting quarterback, it means that other guys can't be on the field. It's unique to really any position in all of sports because you can only play one of them at a time. So it's a tough situation, but ultimately I think that this was inevitable. Do college football fans have to admit now that Arkansas may be for real? <laughs> I mean, look, if, if you're not doing it after going – physically beating up Texas A&M in a game that, in my opinion, wasn't even as close to the final score. I don't know when you're going to do it, right? I mean, they do play Georgia this week. It's going to be a good test for them. They're going to play Ole Miss. They're going to play Alabama. They're going to play a lot of really good teams. But, like, I think that what we know at this point is that regardless of what happens this weekend and even what happens against Ole Miss, I think that this is proof that they're a legit top top 25 team. I think that this is proof that they should be able to push for the top 10 spot. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, what a testament to the job that Sam Pittman has done as head coach at Arkansas. That a real chance that they took hiring an offensive line coach, but it's paid off. I think I, I think that you see from top to bottom on their roster, and really in every phase of the game, you see kind of like the personality of an offensive line coach. They're physical, they execute well, they work together. And, and I think, again, just such a testament to what they've done there. And, and uh, we'll see whether it can kind of keep up against the most talented teams in the country, but, like, Texas a is no slouch, and they were really able to push them around. So I'm excited to see what they can do this weekend. Are Alabama and Georgia kind of in a class by themselves right now? If, if the playoffs started tomorrow, they, it would be, what, Oregon and Penn State, the other two teams, and they'd be double-digit favorites over both those teams. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think that there are two teams that kind of stand above right now. And I do have to mention, right, like Georgia is in that class because they beat Clemson, who doesn't look to be very good. And Alabama did it because they beat Florida, who hasn't necessarily played anybody, and also uh, Miami, who doesn't look very good. So I think there's even a chance that the top two could fall back to the pack in some ways. But I would say that those uh, two teams are still ahead and shoulders above everybody else. It'll be interesting to see how those two other spots kind of work themselves out because Oklahoma hasn't looked like a great team so far this season. Ohio State already has a loss on its record. And Clemson, of course, looks like they're completely out of the conversation. So it's going to, I think that this could be as wide open a year in college football that we've had in really the playoff era. And so it'll be interesting to see who else can kind of play themselves into that conversation. Well, and I was just about to ask you, and, and I'm being very serious when I ask this question Is there anybody in this league, minus Texas or Oklahoma, just because of the brand? that can play their way into that into that game. It, it, for example, if Oklahoma State makes a run and, and goes 12-0, and 0, are they a top-four team? I mean, I think that right now, if anybody goes 12-0 and 0 in a Power 5 conference, I feel very good about the idea that they would be a playoff team. I mean, in fact, I, I can almost guarantee it. And I would point out Baylor as a team that I think looks like through the first couple of weeks of the season, like they might have that kind of gear. Now, 
we don't know exactly how good Iowa State is, but we do know that they're a really good defense, and Baylor was able to do some stuff against them. So it'll be interesting to see now going on the road in this game at Oklahoma State. I mean, look, we don't we don't necessarily know that these two teams are going to be at that level, but in some ways, I think that the winner of this game suddenly does push themselves into that top 15 conversation, push themselves into that top 10 conversation, and like not into the playoff race by any means, but like into the periphery of the playoff race. And it, it, they give themselves a chance. So I do definitely think that they have a chance. And in Texas, I, I know that they're kind of the top brand, but like they haven't been a team that's been in the conversation. And I think that with how good Arkansas is looking, they do have a chance to play themselves back, I think, in a lot of ways. So uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, Iowa State's out. I think Oklahoma still is the leader in the clubhouse. But Oklahoma State and Baylor, I think, are two other teams that maybe might be able to play themselves in. And, and that was one of the other conversations we were having was, you know, if you're, if you're 18, 19, is there, enough, if there, is there enough ways to move into that conversation? I mean, uh, you've got to leapfrog a lot of people to get into, the, into a real serious conversation, don't you? I think you do, but I think that the other side of that is that this has been a real transient year, right, because you have a lot of those teams at the top – who have already lost. I mean, I think that at this point, the number is there have already been 25 teams who were ranked in the top 25 at some point who have lost the game. So this is just the beginning in a lot of ways. And the other thing that you point to is that you look at kind of that top 15 group, there's a lot of teams that are in the Big Ten and a lot of teams that are in the SEC. So what could happen is you could kind of have a coalescing where all of a sudden Penn State beats Iowa and, and Iowa's out of that conversation. And then Ohio State beats Penn State, let's say, and they're out of that conversation. So I, I think that we're going to have a lot of opportunities for these teams to play each other. And what that's going to do is it's going to clear the deck, right? It's going to clear the way for some of these other teams to get into that conversation. So, again, I, I think that if you're able to go through the season and you're able to be undefeated, and even if you're a one-loss team, if your one-loss isn't too bad, I think there's definitely a path there. Now, the tough part is that I think you probably have to beat Oklahoma maybe twice to really feel good about getting into the playoff. But, you know, that's, that's kind of the deal with the playoff, right, is that you have to beat the best teams in front of you. So there's definitely a path. If you go 12-0, if you go 13-0, I think that you are in. I, I don't think that there's much doubt about that. The question is going to be doing it because it's not easy to do. Are you, uh, are, are you excited about Notre Dame and Cincinnati? I, I, I'm kind of jazzed up about this game. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I mentioned it just a minute ago, but, like, the path is wide open right now, and I think that this is as open a path to the playoff that the group of five has ever had. Now, it's really hard. You have to go, again, 13-0 undefeated, and for Cincinnati, they have to beat a team that's ranked number nine in the country. But if they do that, I think they clearly jump into the top four. It's clearly one of the most impressive wins in America this year. And then if they go undefeated, I think that they have a great chance of being in the college football playoffs. So, this game has a lot of implications to me. Both these teams are still undefeated. Both of them are in the top ten. Uh, a lot is left to happen, and I think that this game could have a big impact on the rest of the year. It, it is kind of fun right now to kind of watch those future members of the Big 12, particularly Cincinnati and BYU. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I think that if you are the Big 12, right, like you feel real good about where both those programs are at because this is before – they get any kind of bump, right? Like this is before uh, they're able to go on the road and sell that they're members of the Big 12 Conference and recruit in that kind of way and say we're a power conference team. And the other thing, too, I mean, just going back to BYU, because as sort of a national writer these days, you have to watch a little bit of everything. I mean, 
I've been really impressed by those BYU crowds in Provo. I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun for Baylor fans to get to go and experience that. And same deal on the way here. I mean, you know, there's a lot of Mormons in the state of Texas, of course, so I think there will be a lot of excitement for them to come down the Waco and come see some games. So it is, it is I think, really interesting to see those teams go. And, and I think that, again, you know, I mentioned it when I was on a couple times ago, but these are three or four of the best teams, I think, that you could have added from the group of five. And I think that there's going to be a lot of excitement when they finally enter this. And it's kind of ironic that BYU will be here in a couple of weeks for a, for a non-conference game. So we'll kind of we'll kind of get to do that thing uh, here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, no question. I think that there's going to be a lot of excitement, too, from BYU because let's not forget, Baylor stole their offensive line coach and offensive coordinator <laughs> and are having a lot of success with him. So yeah. I think that there will be a lot of excitement from the BYU side to kind of try to show people, hey, we're the OGs of this. We, we brought this to the table. <laughs> Shahan, what, uh, what are you working on for CBSSports.com right now? Yeah, I'm working on my upset picks as usual. I'm, I'm just kind of starting the, that right now, but that'll be out on Wednesday. And then, you know, this upcoming weekend, we got another slate of games, so it's going to be real exciting. Does 21 beat 19? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I, I need to look closer into it. I need to, but I, I think that I feel good about the way that Baylor matches up. I think it's going to be a more favorable matchup, uh, especially, I think, on the on the defensive side of the ball than what Baylor faces past week. I don't think that they have a, a Oklahoma State as good a player as uh, as the running back, Reese Hall, that Iowa State has. So I think that there's reasons for optimism, but Listen, I, I was uh, at, at Baylor back in 2013. Stillwater's still a scary word to me, so we'll have to see what happens. Hey, Shahan, appreciate it. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. We'll see.